You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Even after receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's so easy to walk away from God and walk away from Christ instead of walking toward Him. Jesus said, I often, how often I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chick under her wings. I want to love on you. I want to bless you. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm your creator I'm your Savior. Are you doubting God's existence? Take a look at the creation around you. Something so complex couldn't have just happened by chance. In today's message, Pastor Danny will teach about the creation story found in the book of Genesis. He'll remind you that you can find evidence of God's existence in the creation around you. He designed the entire universe with a purpose. He also designed you with a purpose. Your Creator wants to have a personal relationship with you. All you have to do is seek Him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 1 as he continues his message, God's Most Prized Creation. third day. Now something, if I remember, we'll come back to the first time you find here in the creation account, according to their kinds. It doesn't change from one kind to another. We'll come back. So there's the third day. And then God said, verse 14, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day. We know that as the sun. The lesser night to govern the night, that's the moon. He also made the stars. Five words. He also made the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. Now, i got to slow down here for a minute, because it's absolutely mind-boggling that God uses five words. He also made the stars. Really? That's all we get. Five words. He also made the stars. Hold on to your brain for a moment. If you could jump on a beam of light right now, traveling at 700,000 miles per hour, it would take 100,000 years 
to reach the edge of the Milky Way. The Milky Way being only one of several billion galaxies in the universe. Let this paper, that thin line right there, the thinness of that paper, let that represent the distance between the earth and the sun right there. Okay. That's 93 million miles. Hold on to your brain. It would take a stack of paper 71 feet high to reach the nearest star, Alpha Centauri. Your brain's still functioning? Okay. It would take a stack of paper 331 miles high, 31 miles high, to reach the edge of our galaxy. We're not done yet. I'm, I'm intending to blow your mind. It would take a stack of paper 310 million miles high to reach the edge of the known universe. 1,300,000 Earths can fit inside the sun. 64 suns can fit inside the star Antares. There's a star in the constellation called Hercules, the the constellation Hercules, that can hold 100 million Antares. Oh, we're not done. There's a star called Epsilon, the largest known star that can fit within it over 3 million Antares. He also made the stars, five words. You know what? The Bible not only tells us that he made them, guess what? The psalmist tells us he named them. He determines the number of the stars, and he calls them each by name. What am I going to be doing for all eternity? Worshiping God, and you can spend a few million years just asking him the name of all the stars. Of course, he's going to create new heavens and a new earth, so I guess he's going to name the new ones too. Wow. Well, that was day four. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged and bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful, increase in number and fill the water in the seas. Can any fisherman say hallelujah? Praise the Lord. Let the birds increase on the earth and let... And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. Wow. And then day six. And God said, let the land produce uh, living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. They found that there are 800,000 different kinds, if you want to put that up, of insects. There are 30,000 kinds of fish. There are 9,000 kinds of birds. There are 6,000 kinds of reptiles, 3,000 kinds of amphibians, and 5,000 kinds of mammals. Let me go back for just a minute, because I said we're going to talk for just a minute about according to their kinds. The date, if you're a note taker, is 1859. 1859 is the year when 
Charles Darwin had just finished a one-year around-the-world voyage. And in this voyage, he observed variations in individual animals, and he developed the theory that was then presented as fact called microevolution, that over a long period of time, kinds can change from one kind to another kind, even though there's not one shed of proof, no fossil from one kind to another. Mutations within a kind, but never a change from one kind to another. I hope you're encouraged by that. Because that means we didn't come from monkeys. Did you know that the monkeys know we didn't come from them? (laughs) By the look of some of your faces, you didn't. So listen to this. Three monkeys sat in a tree discussing things as they're said to be. Said one to the other, there's a certain rumor that can't be true. The man descended from our noble race. The very idea is a disgrace. No monkey ever deserted his wife, starved her babies, and ruined her life. And you've never known a mother monk to leave her babies with others to bunk or to pass them on from one to another till they scarcely know who is their mother. Another thing you'll never see, a monk build a fence around a coconut tree and let the coconuts go to waste, forbidding all other monks to taste. Why, if I put a fence around a coconut tree, starvation would force you to steal from me. Here's another thing a monk won't do. Go out at night and get in a stew. Use a gun or a club or a knife to take some other monk's life. Yes, man descended the ornery cuss, but brother, he didn't descend from us. (laughs) Now, I know I'm jumping ahead, but after creation, things go south. But let's not go there yet. Because we're still on day six. All the animal kingdom have been created. And then God said, verse 26, let us make man. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. See, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I say praise the Lord for that too. God blessed them. He said to them, be fruitful, increase in number. That's a command we've very easily obeyed. Fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea. Yeah. And the birds of the air. And over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They'll be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground. Everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. Sixth day. And we have to finish it out with just three verses in chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. Not because he's tired. He rested from all his work. And he blessed the seventh day. And he made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. His final creation is you, is me. 
Creation is evidence for God. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. That God has given revelation of himself in the creation so that men are without excuse. The psalmist says it more specifically in Psalm 19. And he says it this way. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words, to the ends of the world. There's no place in all the world where there's not evidence of a creator. Because it's seen in his creation. Chapter 2, God puts Adam to sleep, makes a woman for him. They get married before she can conceive her first child. Both Adam and Eve disobey God. They realize they're naked. They're in a hurry to cover themselves because they use fig leaves. Ever felt a fig leaf? They're not fruit of the loom. Ouch. Tried to cover themselves. God comes looking for Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in paradise. Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. He said it for Adam's sake. I was hiding because I knew I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? The woman you gave me. Could you give me another one? Eve, what's this you have done? The devil, he did it. And then no longer vegetarians. That's interesting because God clothed Adam and Eve with the skin of animals. Something had to die for Adam and Eve to be atoned for, at least temporarily, until the ultimate sacrifice could be made, which God prophesied in chapter 3. And he talked about one coming from the seed of a woman who would crush the head of the serpent. It's Jesus. Here's the second thing we see. Not just the evidence for God. We see man's need, man's need, but God's plan. God's plan for redemption. It's fascinating to me. Genesis 1 through 11. Genesis 1 through 11 is 2,000 years of history. From Genesis 12 to Revelation is also 2,000 years of history. God tells us about creation and the first part 2,000 years, and then for the rest of the book, he spends the same amount of time. But in the rest of the book, he's solving man's problem. 50 chapters on the tabernacle. The tabernacle is all about how to approach God, how to worship God, and you can't come without cleansing and sacrifice. And we know that Everything about the tabernacle spoke of a true tabernacle in heaven and the sacrifices under the old covenant spoke of a future sacrifice that would be offered once for all. Four gospel accounts. Gospel means good news. 89 chapters in total. Four chapters out of 89. Four chapters covered the first 30 years of Jesus' life. 85 chapters cover the three years of his public ministry, his teaching, his miracles. 27 chapters 
cover the final eight days of his life in detail. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Creation gives evidence of God. The majority of the Bible talks about God's most prized creation and how he's going to solve the problems for his most prized creation. And if you haven't gotten it yet, you and I are his most prized creation. The psalmist, when he looked up at the heavens and he looked at the stars and he said, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is man? What is man? That you're mindful of him. Five words. He also made the stars. And you go, wow. But God in his creation, when he made the stars, and the angels, I think, The biggest wow wasn't when he made the stars. The biggest wow was on the sixth day and his final act of creation when he created you and he created me. And he knew exactly the challenges we would face. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And yet, not one of them is forgotten by God. And I love this next phrase, the very hairs of your head. Oh, that's personal. They're all numbered. That's how personally God knows us. That's how personally he sees us. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. You may be a bird brain. But you're the most valuable of all God's creation. We're his prized creation. You know what it means to prize something? To value extremely highly. To treasure. To cherish. My older brother a couple of days ago sent me a text. And if you were not aware, I'm informing you. The mansion in Beverly Hills, California, where the series The Beverly Hillbillies was filmed, has been up for sale. Surprisingly, no one has purchased it yet. So my brother sent me a text two days ago to let me know that they've dropped the price of the Beverly Hillbillies mansion by $50 million. You can now get it for $195 million if you're interested. You go, what? That's not worth that much money. No, 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 no. Value is determined by how much someone is willing to pay. You know, in the church, sometimes we grow up and we go, we're not worthy, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. Well, it is true, we're not worthy. But not being worthy doesn't mean you're not valuable. And value is determined by how much somebody's willing to pay. One last scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. I pray and I do pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To know the height, 
and the depth and the breadth and the width. You don't have to make that up. You know what he's saying. The height, the breadth. The height, the depth, the breadth, the width. That's the cross. How valuable am I to God? This much. Mother came up to me after last service and said, I, I just can't comprehend. I can't imagine offering my son. I said, well, if it helps any. I know. I, I'm with you. But God knew he was going to get him back. But he offered him. And the son was willing to go. That same verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where it tells us that the very creation is evidence for God so that men are without excuse. If you read the whole chapter, not very encouraging. Because despite the undeniable evidence for God, the Creator, goes on to tell us that man didn't think it worthwhile to keep God in his knowledge, and it's so he went his own way. And in going his own way, he began to worship created things rather than the Creator. And he ended up walking away from the blessing and the care of one who loves him like nobody else loves him. And here's the truth. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And you know what? Even after receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's so easy to walk away from God and walk away from Christ instead of walking toward Him. Jesus said, I often, how often I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chick under her wings. I want to love on you. I want to bless you. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm your creator. I'm your savior. Stop running from me. Stop trying to hide. Which is a crazy thought, isn't it? God will never find me here. (laughs) You are so smart. (laughs) We're God's prized creation. And he knew by Genesis chapter 2, his greatest creation would fail, would fall. But he had a plan. And by chapter 3, he tells us the plan, the seed, Christ, that would come from the Virgin Mary and would offer himself so that we might know the height, depth, the breadth, the width of his love for us. We may not be worthy, but we are valuable. Don't run from him. Run to him. Because all he wants to do is save your soul and then show you what life is all about. And you can enjoy the sunset and you can enjoy catching the big fish. Hallelujah. But none of those things will ever satisfy. None of those things will ever give us what we're really looking for. And someone has said it and it's still true. There is a God-sized vacuum in each one of us that only He can fill. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. And let Him fill your life. Overflow.
Thanks for joining us today to study the Old Testament on the Living Word. You may have thought that this section of the Bible isn't relevant in a world that Jesus has redeemed, but we hope through this study that you've changed your opinion. There's plenty to learn from Old Testament books, the people within, and the ways that God reveals Himself. The God you meet in the Old Testament is the same one who created you, and the same one who's governing your life right now. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this Gleanings from the Old Testament series, you can find them online at ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons. You'll be redirected to our YouTube page, where you can watch a number of teachings from Calvary Chapel Fellowship and subscribe to our channel. Come connect with us on social media as well. You'll find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you'll be able to jump into the conversations there. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. You're invited to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. We're excited to welcome you into our family of faith. You'll find directions and more information at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more on The Living Word.